Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Culture Ops Podcast. An engaged team is often described as being more like a group of missionaries rather than mercenaries. The difference, they feel ownership over the work they're doing. You could say they've got a lot of autonomy. That's a term we hear more and more in the world of culture ops, as something that companies are aspiring to deliver to their team. They want to increase the autonomy that they feel. But increasing autonomy, well, does it really improve the performance of your team? And that's what we want to get into today. And with me to discuss this topic is someone who has really tested the idea of autonomy, ownership, flat structures to its core. And that is Evgeny Shachnev, founder and ex-CEO at Makers Academy. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Out of 10, what would you give me for my pronunciation of your surname? I would say it's 8 out of 10. I'm pretty happy with that. I was in my head, I was like, if I can be better than a seven, then I'm happy. <laughs> um, uh, and quickly tell us, you are in Portugal, aren't you? You've escaped from London. Yes, I escaped London. It's uh, nice and warm and almost no COVID cases. So I feel extremely lucky and grateful. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm very jealous. I don't, yeah, I, don't know, I don't know if it's making me feel any better as I look out uh, and see the grey skies of East London. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Ben. I will track you down. I'll be coming to join you soon, no doubt. Um, so why don't you tell us a bit about what Makers is about, what it does, why you founded it, um, and also why autonomy is something that you, as uh, the ex-CEO of Makers, knows a lot about. Okay. So Makers is a coding bootcamp. We train software developers. We help complete beginners to become uh, professionals uh, via an intensive uh, three-month uh, course. We started in uh, 2013, uh, almost eight years ago. And uh, since then, we trained uh, nearly 2,000 people and placed them into hundreds of companies. The reason I started Makers was because uh, I was trained as a software developer myself. I worked as a software developer. And uh, I could see that junior developers, starting with myself, uh, but not just myself, but others, junior developers coming straight out of university didn't really have uh, the necessary experience to hit the ground running in uh, real companies in London. So we started a course to fix uh, this gap, to make sure that uh, new junior developers are perfectly ready for their world of uh, work. Amazing. And... um... Just quickly, what was that eight years like? You know, as you look back on it, you've you've got a bit of space now. You've got a bit of um, you've you've got a bit of uh, room from the organization. You're not in there on a daily basis. What are the things that um, uh, really come up for you when you think about that experience? Uh, it's been a wild ride, and of course, this applies to any startup. We went from an idea to uh, uh, to a team of uh, over sixty people at the, uh, at the beginning of this uh, this year, and building. Uh, all of this, training people, changing lives, 
I think I experienced pretty much every emotion from uh, pure joy to sheer terror uh, and everything in between uh, during my uh, seven and a half years at, uh, at Majors. I learned a lot and I'm very proud of uh, the impact we had. Uh, but uh, I must also admit it was also uh, fairly stressful, especially in the beginning. Hmm. For sure. Nothing that is worth anything is, is easy to do. Exactly. And um, uh, you know, over that eight years, you and I have had, uh, I guess, a number of conversations and I've kind of watched from afar uh, the type of culture that you've built, um, the way of working, and you, you've always been incredibly unique in the way that you, the, that you saw things and that you continue to see things. And one of the things that you, I guess, were a real pioneer of um, in London was uh, giving people within your organization really very, very generous amounts of control and autonomy in the way that they interacted uh, within the organization, the way they turned up to work, how decisions were made, all that kind of stuff. Do you want to give the audience a bit of a uh, kind of whistle-top-stop tour of the very unique culture that you built at Makers? So at Makers, uh, it's the first real company that I uh, that I was building. I was a first-time CEO and I had no idea what I was doing, which probably explains what I'm about to describe. Uh, we started... Uh, just because I didn't know better, we started with a very simple idea of uh, hiring smart people and giving them all the freedom they need to uh, do what's best for the business. It sounds great in uh, theory, but uh, in practice, we just try to maximize uh, autonomy. So we, uh, in the beginning, we didn't have managers. We didn't have job specifications. Uh, we had unlimited uh, holidays, a pretty extreme degree of transparency. And we even invited uh, the team to set uh, their own salaries. As in, they uh, could literally choose what uh, the company would uh, pay them. Um, I'm sure that uh, you, uh, Ben. I'm sure that you you came across uh, that famous book, which uh, said that uh, we are motivated by autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And so, in order to build the trust uh, within the company, we took uh, these three elements, and especially autonomy, uh, really, really uh, uh, seriously. But as we as we learned uh, uh, later, it. Uh, uh, it was a bumpy ride. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, yeah, the idea of um, of the of the team setting their own salaries is a is an amazing one, right? And there's some, probably some people listening to this podcast right now that have spat out their their coffee that they're drinking, or they've tripped over a a, a paving slab on their walk, or their walk somewhere because um, yeah, that's that sounds like a very alien way to do things right it's it's not it's not what we it's not what we're used to um but the way that makers is today is different from from where you started correct yep uh it is uh for example setting uh, uh setting your own salary uh this mechanism was in place between uh 2015 and 2019 so for uh so for a good four years uh, it actually worked uh, but uh, yeah, over time, as we started to grow, as we started to become uh, more uh, mature as an organization, but also as we increased our performance uh, and delivered uh, better results, uh, we also started to introduce uh, structures and systems to support our team, including uh, including formalizing uh, how salaries are set. And this is still very much a work in uh, progress. Uh, this was... Uh, we started it just be- just before the pandemic, and uh, 
uh, we haven't finished it before I uh, stepped down uh, two months ago. And so just run me through what, what some of the reasons were for, um, yeah, you know, I, I guess removing some of that autonomy and putting some more structure in place around how the organization functioned um, and how it made decisions. So uh, what, we, what we learned on this journey is that uh, good intentions uh, don't necessarily translate into good outcomes. We had good intentions, uh, but good outcomes are a completely different uh, game. Uh, if, uh, if you think about the country as an analogy, uh, if you think about a free country like New Zealand, uh, it actually has a lot of structure and rules. It's not the same as a wild, wild west, which has no structure and no rules. And what we actually built was more similar to uh, wild, wild west rather than uh, New Zealand. Uh, the problems uh, were uh, numerous. Uh, the first one was alignment. If you just maximize autonomy without any additional support, then you'll completely lose alignment. Uh, people start doing separate things. Uh, some uh, everyone has, everyone of course has the best intentions and is trying to do their best. But uh, uh, if the work is not coordinated across the company, it becomes uh, really uh, counterproductive. Uh, uh, then uh, it also uh, had, uh, it also created uh, uh, a number of issues with uh, psychological safety. Uh, if uh, you maximize autonomy, which means that uh, literally anyone else can go and make decisions which is going to have an impact on how your work is uh, going, then uh, it doesn't really create a psychologically safe uh, environment. Uh, and then there were things like uh, it was difficult to enforce accountability. If you don't have specific mechanisms for uh, performance management, for example, including job specs and goals and so on, then uh, it becomes really easy to move the goalposts and uh, avoid uh, being held accountable. So uh, these are just some of uh, uh, some of the challenges uh, that were, that we've seen, uh, and uh, I think at some point in uh, twenty sixteen we realized that uh, actually we took it really far and it's becoming uh, counterproductive, and and then we started um, we became more serious about actually uh, fixing it. Mm. And you know, uh, you know. I- I wanted to have you on because I think you've tested the bounds of autonomy with an organization and you've tested it really rigorously. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that if, uh, you know, a CEO or a founder asks for my advice on what the right level of autonomy in, the organi- or in an organization is, I don't think I would give, you know, you as as the example and say you should do everything that Evgeny did because as you rightly say, there are some challenges that that you discovered. But I think those challenges that you discovered are going to help us better understand why autonomy is important and more specifically what the right level of autonomy is. Do you think, do you think there's a scale? Uh, do you think, you, you know, I, I guess you must believe that it's possible to have too much autonomy? Um, I think it's the wrong question to ask, Ben. I think it's. Uh, I don't think that there re- that there exists a certain scale of autonomy, and then there is uh, the right amount of autonomy, uh, meaning that more autonomy necessarily is bad. Uh, autonomy is not uh, the goal in itself. What's far more important to focus on is uh, alignment. Uh, if you make sure that your team is aligned on why things are happening, what is happening, uh, and how exactly it's done, then everyone will feel like they are autonomous, they can do uh, uh, what, they, 
what I think needs to be done, and the entire team is going to work because everyone is aligned on why, what, and how. But if you try to just maximize autonomy without paying attention to alignment, which is far more important, uh, then um, uh, the, you will create probably a, a dysfunctional and political environment. It's really interesting. Because I guess what you're pulling on there is the idea that, uh, yeah, autonomy can create... Autonomy is useless at an individual level if it doesn't... If it, if it creates disalignment within the team. Uh, yes. It's... Uh, if, uh, if there are no rules, if there are no structures... Uh, and rules and structures are necessary to ensure alignment, then uh, the entire, then the entire uh, environment, the entire company, the entire team becomes um, uh, dysfunctional. It, uh, and by this, I mean, mean that it becomes increasingly difficult to actually get anything done. And while it, feels, it, it may feel like, oh, I've got lots of autonomy, when you actually try to get something done, you realize that nothing actually gets done. And so in practice... Uh, you don't actually have it. So counterintuitively, in order to have the freedom and autonomy to achieve the results and uh, do things that you need to get done, the entire company needs to align and agree on certain structures, processes, and uh, rules that everyone um, that everyone will uh, follow. Hmm. I'm a huge believer in in the importance of a, of of teams within organizations, and and you can think about team as two people working together, you can see it as a function, you can see it, an entire business is also a team. And I, and I guess, listening to you talk about this, really that's, that's what's resonating the most with me, is that the importance of a, a team being aligned is a much greater indicator for people being able to do great work and enjoy it in the process. Exactly. So if you think about a team, um, if you think about an orchestra as a team, like imagine you're a conductor of an orchestra and uh, you want uh, to produce some great music. Uh, lack of autonomy or, no, sorry, an extreme autonomy is not going to uh, necessarily be a problem. You're not going to look at the orchestra and, uh, and say, uh, oh, the cello has too much auto autonomy or the trumpet has too much, uh, too much freedom. No, in order to, to produce great results as a team, as an orchestra, you need to make sure that everyone is aligned. Everyone is on the same wavelength. Everyone is trying to do the same thing, contributing in different ways, right, um, well, right at the, uh, at the right moment. And then everything works together as a single uh, organism. So my point is that autonomy is just a red herring here. It's... it's uh, it's not the right thing to uh, to focus uh, to focus on alignment, purpose, uh, trust, uh, shared vision are all uh, so much more important than uh, autonomy per se. Amazing. And so, why do you think that those things, if autonomy is not what we should be focusing on, why is it those those areas, alignment, trust, communication? Why is it those? Why is it that those things increase performance? Uh, they create, they make sure that people can rely on each other and trust each other. Uh, in uh, When everyone is bought into the same vision, when everyone agrees on how things should be done and why they are uh, being done, uh, 
it enables every single person to achieve their goals because they know they can uh, rely on uh, other team members because they're also trying to uh, achieve the, uh, the same goals. If there is a lot of uh, trust in the organization, it also helps with uh, psychological uh, safety, which enables everyone to just feel good. And, uh, and when, we, when we feel good, when we feel safe and uh, trusted, we do our, uh, our best work. Hmm. In, in the organization that you're describing, I, I guess there's no room for lone wolves or star performers or, you know, uh, pe- you'd call them a rock star or a superstar or whatever, people that are very strong individual contributors, but are, you know, don't want to spend time considering the rest of the team, the rest of the organization. They're very focused on just their own work. Um. Generally, uh, generally, yes. Uh, there is an old proverb uh, saying that uh, if you want, if you want to go fast, go uh, go alone. But if you want to go far, uh, okay. go together. With, uh, yeah, go together. Uh, it's uh, in principle there is nothing wrong with uh, someone showing great individual performance in what, what, whatever field uh, they're in, be it sales, finance, uh, marketing, or uh, any other team as long as it doesn't come at the expense of uh, basically being an asshole and saying that because I'm driving millions in revenue, I'm going to uh, ignore uh, everyone else. This is where dysfunction uh, starts. And it may feel easy to justify in the short term because, well, that person is special because they are uh, delivering great results. But the, uh, the company will, uh, the team will pay for it in the long run uh, because it's... Uh, once you create exception, or create exceptions and start uh, treating some people as more special than others, uh, eventually it uh, uh, it backfires for the entire team. Mm. So, so it's fair to say that the the makers culture, uh, uh, I guess, as as you left it, really prioritized alignment. Um, uh, alignment would have been a probably a, a key value, or would have been something that you were really trying to achieve um, in your articulation of your culture, and. The whole concept around culture ops is thinking about culture as something that we can work on and, and it being influenced by the people you have in the room, uh, the processes that you put in place and the policies that you have within the organization. And um, I imagine that you had you have a viewpoint on the types of people that you you decided to hire that were going to allow you to achieve great alignment, the ways of working that were going to allow you to achieve great alignment and the do's and don'ts, the, you know, the way to behave, the way not to behave in the, in the organization. Can you just give us some examples mm-hmm. um, on what kinds of tangible tactical things they were that contributed to that culture of alignment? Um, well, first of all, I must say that uh, I don't think I've managed to create a culture of perfect or even great alignment. Like going from... Uh, poor alignment to perfect alignment is a long journey. I think I kicked off the process, but it will be uh, up to the new chief executive uh, to uh, really finish it. Uh, Having said that, uh, one of the most important questions uh, I used to ask in uh, uh, my interviews is why do you want to join makers? Some people uh, ask it out of politeness uh, or just as a conversation starter. But for me, this was a super... uh, important one. I was um, I was trying to hire people who 
who really believed in our mission of changing lives, who, who were really driven by uh, helping complete beginners to break into the world of technology and uh, get a new uh, career. Uh, if someone really, really resonated with this mission, it was already um, 50% of, uh, of success. Um, uh, another thing I was uh, trying to pay a lot of attention uh, during hiring and also after the person joined uh, is, uh, let's say, ethical behavior. Uh, I was trying to be, I was trying to, I was trying to make sure that uh, everyone is doing the right thing at all times. And of course, what exactly is the right thing is impossible to write down because every situation is uh, unique. Uh, but uh, I've been, I think I was doing my best to. Uh, to make uh, to make sure that uh, unethical behavior is uh, not uh, is not tolerated. Nice. And were there any routines and rhythms to the way that you communicated or uh, had teams report on the things that they were doing that you think helped to foster alignment? Um, we had a fairly uh, standard uh, communication rhythm uh, with a. Uh, yearly, a big yearly presentation on where the company uh, is and is going. Uh, quarterly presentations for the entire team uh, about how the quarter went and uh, what the next quarter uh, brings, uh, as well as uh, uh, monthly uh, one-to-ones, uh, sorry, weekly one-to-ones and monthly uh, management reporting. So uh, every week, every month, every quarter, every year, there was a formal event or document uh, that was um, uh, shared with uh, shared with the entire team, which helped us to uh, to align. Uh, this structure worked fairly well for us. So if I were to uh, if I were to start another company one day, I would probably uh, use the same one again. So let's go there with that. Um, I don't know what your plans are. You're an amazingly ambitious person. You're a very smart person. <laughs> I feel like whenever I talk to you, I always learn something. Um, if you were going to start a new business tomorrow, you've just named one thing that you would carry forward. Is there anything else that you'd carry forward in terms of, and let's try and keep it focused on on this idea of building alignment with, a, with an organization because, you know, you quite rightly believe, and I think I, I, I believe it also, that, you know, driving great alignment across an organization has a huge effect on people's ability to do great work. And, and that is what the game of running an organization is. We are motivated yep. to help people to do great work because that benefits yep. us also. So, yeah, are there any other things on that shopping list that you would take with you? Uh, problem number one is uh, treating people as humans first and uh, uh, job titles second. Uh, I know that we are building companies, building businesses, uh, driving revenue and making profit and so on. But uh, ultimately, we are we are all humans first and foremost. We've got emotions. We uh, want to do uh, good work. And uh, uh, I would, going forward, whenever I do something, uh, something else again, I'll, I will do my best to... Uh, Make sure that everyone is seen as a uh, human being uh, first, and this uh, also translates into alignment. Because if you respect everyone uh, and see them as uh, uh, as being deeply human, and then bring them on the journey with you, and make sure that their why resonates with your why and the company's why, why we're doing all of this, uh, then alignment will result as a uh, as uh, almost a by uh, almost a byproduct, alignment is achieved not uh, not when we cascade OKRs and we uh, force people to um, uh, 
uh, to uh, uh, sign up uh, to do them. Uh, alignment is achieved when we bring the team on a journey with us, when we tell a story and ex- and offer a way of working uh, which makes sense at all levels, which makes sense for the company at the very top, which makes sense for individual teams and then for uh, individuals. And then when anyone asks a question of why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why does my team exist? Why does the company exist? Uh, how do we fit into the world at large? There is a um, convincing uh, convincing uh, answer. And this arguably is... Uh, uh, and this arguably is uh, one of the key jobs of uh, any founder or chief executive. Yeah, helping people contextualize themselves within the bigger picture yep. of what's going on. Yeah, I totally agree. Yep. Um, be the flashlight, be the compass. Um, so, final question. You know, we started this conversation talking about autonomy, and um, and I guess you quite rightly pointed out that it's probably a little bit of a red herring, and although it's something that. Um, we, we see a lot in the kind of workplace uh, press and media talking about autonomous organizations, talking about um, flat hierarchies, um, all of this kind of stuff. That actually maybe w- what we want to focus more on is a team that's hyper aligned, a team that understands the role that they're playing, that trusts the individuals around them, that know who to go to for which things and have a great context of how they fit into the, into the bigger picture. If you were speaking to a founder, a new founder who who is going out on that journey uh, tomorrow to start a business, what would be the couple of bits of advice that you would give them? Uh, that really are the things that they should be doing from day one, not not advanced processes and 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 uh, ways of working for a slightly bigger organization, but the things that they should be doing from the beginning to help make alignment a real thing. I would advise the uh, a new founder to start by uh, understanding very deeply why this business matters to them, why this idea, why are they going to sacrifice the next ten years of their life to make this happen, why they want it to be done in a specific way. Uh, this is the world of uh, sorry. This is the work of um, self awareness and self. Uh, uh, inquiry, uh, the work of understanding your deepest uh, drives. And the reason this is important for alignment is because when there is a misalignment between how the founder feels inside or why uh, they are doing things and what they are telling others, this is a recipe for, uh, for disaster. So uh, so one piece of, uh, of advice uh, I would give is to understand really, really well why this business matters to you and then communicate exactly the same message to uh, the rest of uh, the world, to investors, clients, employees, partners, media, uh, and uh, and so on. And this will lead to a, uh, to an authentic message, to an authentic mission and vision, which will attract people who are who are bought into the same vision. And uh, this will this will, as a side effect, uh, help create alignment. Do you think that you were clear on that question when you started Makers Academy? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no way. But you got clear on it as you kind of went through the process. Uh, yes, and the answer changed the, uh, over the years. If you ask me why I started Makers in 2015 and in 2016 and uh, maybe this year, I would give you different answers. It, it, it really evolves. 
amazingly profound if you think about it, you know? What do you need to do to create alignment? Well, first, you need to make sure that you are aligned within yourself on why you're doing what you're doing. Because if you're not aligned within yourself, then you've got no chance of convincing others uh, to get aligned with you. And, and, you know, they're very unlikely to become aligned uh, within each other. Um, I love that. These things sound so simple, but they're incredibly complex, you know? (laughs) They are, but then alignment is not a destination. It's not a point when you say, okay, now I figured it out, now I'm aligned, and now it's going to be fine for the rest of, uh, uh, for the, rest of uh, uh, the, the century. Uh, it's like a balance on the bicycle. You constantly lose your balance and you constantly uh, regain the balance, and then you lose it and you regain it, and you constantly adapt to the current uh, situation. So, of course, the answer changes. But noticing and adapting and communicating it is uh, the job of the founder. Yeah. Very wise, very philosophical, and very true, right? It's a journey. Um, a lot of these things we, we should never stop doing. Um, we should be thinking about them and considering them on a, on a daily basis almost. And, and with that very profound ending, uh, we've got to bring the show to a close. I need to say a big thank you to Evgeny uh, for, for joining us today, for a disturbing whatever uh, peaceful uh, thing you were doing uh, in Portugal. I think I can even hear the birds singing, so I'm very jealous. Um, but thank you for joining us today, mate. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. Uh, to Mel, uh, as ever, our illustrious producer behind that virtual glass, thank you for keeping the show on the road and making sure that we've got great content to put out week on week. To all of you listening along, wherever you are, we really appreciate you coming on this journey with us. Remember, if you've got an issue you'd like us to discuss, please drop us a line. We are at Join Charlie on Twitter. I'm at Gately. We look forward to seeing you again next week. I've been Ben Branson Gately, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast. Thank you.